questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. A Chinese wise man once said, a student said to his master, quote, You teach me fighting, but you talk about peace. How do you reconcile the two? The master replied, It is better to be a warrior in a garden than to be a gardener in a war, unquote. Our society is under full-scale attack by psychopaths, intent on destroying our minds, our spirits, and our lives. The goal of this war is to call the herd and transform the survivors into obedient, soulless slaves. This is always the goal of psychopaths, total domination over fawning, fearful fools. We need to mount a vigorous defense, but there's a fundamental obstacle for doing so. For years, behavioral programming by our schools and media have sought to disempower us, make us apathetic, dependent on the state, and afraid. Before any significant positive change can be made, we need to first rally the troops and empower the people so they can stand up and make a change. The only way to do this is to reawaken the warrior spirit within. Do you have the strength of character to step out your door and change your world? Could one meeting with a stranger change the course of your life forever? We must push ourselves to train each day. Never show weakness. Never show fear. Be larger than life and live to gain as much experience as every day can bring. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fambergas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. I always love to hear from you. Tonight's special guest is Stefan Verstappen, a Canadian writer, world traveler, and martial artist. He has worked as a wilderness survival instructor for outward bound programs, a street youth counselor, a first aid and CPR instructor, and a martial art instructor. Verstappen has written eight books and dozens of articles for a variety of publications. He follows his own hybrid spiritual path that leans heavily in the scientific principle and a healthy skepticism. And we have a more comprehensive bio on our website. His website is chinastrategies.com. And Stefan Verstappen joins us directly from Oakville, Toronto, Canada. Hello, Stefan, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm doing fine, Mel. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of your show. Well, I'm honored to hear that. Thank you very much. Well, you came to me a few weeks ago and we discussed our plan today. You've written great books. This video that you produced some time ago has gone viral, or as of right now, over 300,000 views, uh, which is great for alternative media like ours. Why don't we begin with the elephant in the room, the psychopath? Are we run? Is this world run and ruled by psychopaths? Yes, I'm afraid so. Uh, the evidence is overwhelming. And <clears throat> it appears that uh, psychopaths have been running the world for quite some time. And they're clever at hiding who and what they are. And it's really only within the last 50, 60 years where psychologists and, and, and researchers have begun to realize that there is this thing called a psychopath. 
Now, it may be true that in olden times, medieval or ancient days, they were called vampires or demons or zombies and ghouls because really that is sort of what they are. They are vampires. They are zombies. They are ghouls. It's just it's it's the strangest thing some for some reason. And no one has been able to figure out exactly why. But there are certain percentage of people born on this planet that have no conscience. But it's more than just not having a conscience. Many of them are malevolent. They have an active desire to do evil. They enjoy destruction and desecration and degeneracy. They they enjoy it. They enjoy to see people suffer. They enjoy seeing children abused. And they enjoy tearing down everything that's good about humanity. And why we, we, we don't know. We can't answer that. There's been studies done, genetics, early childhood upbringing, things like that. It's probably... Uh, you know, a combination of the two, but mostly it seems to be genetics. But the fact is they exist. Now, the problem is they are better able to survive in hierarchical structures. Uh, in other words, anytime you have a, a, a model, a pyramid model and you know it's no it's no coincidence that all this evil new world order nonsense seems to revolve around pyramids and all seeing eyes uh, because pyramid structures are the primary structure in which psychopaths flourish because they can use their ruthlessness their ability to camouflage themselves, their ability to mimic others, and they have also the the skill of cold reading, meaning that, you know, since they're small children, they study us uh, like we're insects so that they can learn our mannerisms so that they can better imitate those mannerisms to fool us into thinking that they're human, that they have the same human compassion and feelings that most people have, but they don't. But they are experts at fooling us. Now, when you combine absolute greed and thirst for power with ruthlessness and cunning and the ability to conceal yourself and the willingness to do anything to succeed, whereas, you know, you and I would have limits on to what we would do to people in order to take their money or to take power from them. Um, there is no such limitations for these people. So what happens is they are better suited to succeed. They are better able to climb the corporate ladder, to climb the political ladder, to rise in the hierarchy of a large religious organization and get to the top. Because when you get to the top of the pyramid, the pyramid you know, at the top controls everything, has all the power. And this is a magnet for these people. Anytime you create a position, whether it's in business or government or religion or in the military, where one person has a lot of power, one position has a lot of power, you're going to attract these people. And again, they have an advantage over good and decent people. So they're more likely to succeed in attaining that position. And over the years, the 
decades and, and the 200 years since the founding of the nation, they've had a lot of time to infiltrate and get to the top of just about every hierarchical structure. And yes, now they are in control. And because they are malevolent, this is why we see so many ills in our society, because that's what they like. That's what they do. That's why you see these pedophilia gangs. That's why we see this mass immigration. That's why we see the oxycontent addiction rates. Well, hold on. Hold on. Let, let's dissect each of those points, because I think each is very important. The first okay. one, the first sure. one, the pedophilia even today, I keep reading that what they want, what they really want to do. We've been hearing the LGBTQ, and they keep adding letters to, to that acronym. But the one letter, the one letter that I, can, that, that I despise, that I cannot see, is the pedosexual. They want to normalize that. Let's go step by step. Let's start with that. Sure. How in the world can they expect a society to accept as normal being a pedophile? Well, look at what we've already accepted as normal. Um, for, you know, I've, I've been searching for the truth my whole life, Mel, and I might not have found a lot of truth, but I have found a lot of lies. And our whole society is nothing but a big lie. We are, are now, all of us, virtual debt slaves. Everyone is working their lives away to pay off the, the government and the credit card and the mortgage and People don't have a life anymore other than the moments they take to stare at the smartphone. So they've convinced us to be happy as virtual slaves. And in, you know, you know, my series, The Paradise Stolen, where I say, why are we poor? Um, even medieval peasant farmers in England had more time off, had more freedom, and paid far less taxes than we do today. And that's with all the advances of technology and labor-saving devices and all. We work longer and harder than medieval peasants do. And yet, that's normalized. That's perfectly normal. Nobody thinks twice about it. And so, will they normalize pedophilia? Absolutely. It's coming. I'm just pausing for a moment because a lot of the topics we're discussing today are very difficult to grasp, even for me sometimes, especially this pedophilia part, where I find it an abomination that only a psychopath can even entertain. Is psychopathy genetic or is it the environment the person grows up in or, or a combination of both? Well, there's there's been s several studies done on it, and the most recent one seems to indicate that it is genetic. They call it the warrior gene, which I really object to because, you know, I promote the way of the warrior. A warrior has nothing to do with psychopaths. Psychopaths are not warriors, but it does seem to be um, genetic. Now, whether or not a genetic psychopath grows up to be malevolent and demonic that may have something to do with uh, um, nurture. For example, oh, geez, I'm going to forget his name. Uh, there is one researcher who was studying the genetics of psychopathy, and he tested himself, and he found out that he actually has that genetic gene. He has that gene that would make him a psychopath. And he asked his family, he was married, he has children, he has a successful career, he's a, a, a neurophysicist, 
And um, and the name of the documentary is The Warrior Gene. It's on YouTube, so you can watch it. And it's very interesting. Anyways, he asked his family, uh, am I a psychopath? Um, do I have a conscience or do I lack emotional depth? And they all said, yeah. But he wasn't a bad person. And he says, that, you know, his family loved him. I mean, he didn't have the emotional ability to connect with people that that is the problem with psychopaths because they don't have that, that ability to empathize, no empathy or compassion doesn't necessarily make you a bad person and he credits the fact that he's not a serial killer or a politician but i repeat myself uh, he credits the fact that he's you know loved by his family and has a successful career because he said he was raised in the most loving nurturing caring family his parents were wonderful to him they loved him they cared for him and they they educated him and they did everything for him so now we can see that yes it's probably Probably a, a combination of the two, and it might even be epigenetic, but certainly you would have to have a genetic predisposition towards it. However, there are cases, and in the video and in my writing, I, I, I refer to it as secondary psychopaths. Other researchers refer to it as that as well. And a secondary psychopath is someone who becomes a psychopath because of extreme childhood trauma and abuse and drugs are often involved in that too. For example, junkies are all psychopaths because a junkie only cares about his next fix. So functionally, a junkie is a psychopath. However, if a, a, a junkie can kick his addiction, he can then be welcomed back among the humans because usually the psychopathy that drove or the addiction that drove his psychopathy is gone, then his psychopathy is gone as well. So people can be created through extreme abuse. Brain injury sometimes would do it. There was a, a case of a man that was in a car accident and he had a severe concussion. And when he came out of the coma, he was a psychopath. He could no longer feel or care for his family, his kids. He couldn't care less about them, you know. And so brain injury can do it, but Mostly, it's a genetic component. Now, whether or not that person grows up to be a serial killer or grows up to be somebody that uh, might not be too lovable but is a functional contributing person to society, that may depend purely on the environment. But that's what I was going to say. What about the environment? What about the bully that bullies in school but is bullied at home? Uh, the the criminal who was abused as a child. And, and of course, folks, I'm not condoning this behavior at all. I just want to understand the logic behind their actions sometimes. Yes. Well, again, that would I would qualify that under possibly a secondary psychopath. A, a secondary psychopath is someone who was not born naturally a psychopath. But like a gang member. Like a gang member. For example, you've seen in the video, I make the analogy between a street gang. Uh, so let's say you're a 13-year-old boy and you're born and uh, you live in South Central. Um, the place is, uh, you know, dominated by street gangs. Now, you have two choices. You can go to school every day and have the living crap beat out of you by the gang members. Or you can join the gang. Now, if you join the gang you have to adopt the value system of that gang. So you now have to bully other kids. Or now you have to engage in petty crime and drug dealing and, and um, 
the same disregard for feelings and emotions and property as the rest of the gang members do. So now that that kid is a psychopath, but he's a secondary psychopath. In other words, his behavior is now completely controlled by his environment, which causes him and encourages him to behave in a psychopathic manner. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, the same thing can occur in big business. I'm thinking about the Enron uh, company and the famous scandal back in the 80s, early 90s, I believe it was. And they had the tape recordings of these traders um, when they were talking to clients. And then, you know, how they would lie and manipulate and say anything they can to get their clients to buy the stocks. And then after they'd hang up, they would give each other the high five and, you know, tell each other what an experts they were at bullshit. And again, the whole environment of that corporation was psychopathic. So the same thing would occur. If you were to get a job at Enron in the, in the late 1980s and you wanted to be a trader and you didn't lie and manipulate and cheat and scam your investors, you wouldn't have a job. You couldn't, you know, you wouldn't stay there for more than a couple of weeks. Now, by the way, in I don't even believe that Kenneth Lay is dead, but that's a different story. I, I don't believe it either. You know, these guys now, Kenneth Lay and uh, the other fellow, uh, those are definitely, you know, primary psychopaths. They weren't psychopaths because of abuse or because of the environment. These guys are born that way. And uh, that's the environment they created within their corporations. And now these traders and everybody had to work in that corporation. Now you either toe the psychopathic line or you don't work there. So, again, the environment creates these psychopaths. For those of us that have to deal with them, I mean, it's no difference whether they're a primary psychopath or a secondary because they are going to be nothing but trouble for us, nothing but trouble and misery and suffering. That's all they can produce. But for them, the, the secondary psychopaths have a hope for redemption. If they quit their job and they go you know, work at a charity or at a, at a dog rescue operation um, – they can get their humanity back because it's not been genetically altered. But for the primary ones, those that were born with that gene, they are incurable. Nothing will ever get them to feel compassion or love for their fellow man. It's it's hopeless with those types. When you think of uh, world leaders, dictators, and so on, uh, you hear the the saying, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think absolute power what, what, what is it I'm trying to say? I heard it from somebody else. Uh, absolute Emerson. power. Yes, correct. Power they, corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what I think, they attract the corruptible. That's what I think too, Mel. Yeah. I don't think, like, if you gave me power, I wouldn't be corrupted. Because, first of all, I don't care for power. I've, I've never been anybody that wanted to the kind of person that wanted to tell anybody what to do or give orders. It's just not me. That's why I'm an anarchist, because I realize that these hierarchical structures create environments in which psychopaths flourish and also give them the power to make our lives miserable. And the only way to stop them from doing it is to make sure we don't have organizations where there's one guy at the very top. That's not to say I'm a socialist, because that's the opposite extreme, but rather that the power is diffused enough so that everybody 
no one can act with impunity, that everyone must have checks and balances. Uh, even still, that psychopaths will find a workaround for that. But that's the best we can hope for. So I don't think I would be corrupted by power. Um, but so I agree with you. I don't think it's power itself that corrupts, but rather power attracts the psychopaths who are already corrupt. If we don't know a psychopath, is it like meeting a left-handed person? We don't know he or she is left-handed unless we see them write or grab something. Yeah, they blend in. You won't you won't tell the psychopath. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I was thinking this the other day. Um, if you wanted to know who's the psychopath in your office, ask yourself who's the most popular employee. <laughs> That's probably the psychopath because they get it. They're the you know they they know how to work this thing. And so the, let me tell you, the, the psychopath employee is the one that organizes the Christmas dinners, is the one that organizes the charitable golf tournament for the company, is the one that always brings donuts to the office, is the one that everybody loves because they're so great. Psychopaths know how to play that role. They know and they do the same thing, whether it's in the office or in a church group or in a charitable organization or in a social group. They're very good at being popular. It's not like you see in the movies with, you know, uh, Norman Bates and uh, uh, Psycho. I mean, that that guy would be more 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 commonly classified as a paranoid schizophrenic, not a psychopath. Um But the real psychopaths, they're charming. They're a lot of fun to be around. And so it's very difficult to spot them. You can't spot them until they do something that betrays a lack of morality. Um, for example, um, I remember one time I was at a at a cocktail party among some business associates and one of the guys I was talking to he was in he was either one of the diplomats this was in Taiwan by the way he was either one of the diplomats or he was uh, one of the bankers and um somebody else had brought uh, his uh, 10-year-old daughter uh by and the guy turns to me and he said and he said to me I'd do her eh and I looked at him like what and then He looked at me shocked, like it's as if he didn't mean to say that out loud to me, but he, he did, right? And that was the giveaway. I mean, what? Are you kidding me? You would want to have sex with that 10-year-old girl? You think that's like something normal to say to me? The guy was a psychopath. He didn't mean to say it. it he kind of let it slip. But that's what I'm talking about. Until you hear them say something like that where you go, oh, my God, this guy is this guy is sick. Um, until you catch them at one of those moments, you probably won't be able to spot a psychopath. I remember the story of uh, George Green, one of our guests in this radio program. And he he was up there in the government, and he was at a meeting in, uh, I believe it was in Kennebunkport. And uh, all of a sudden, there was uh, Ted Kennedy. And George's daughter passed by, 12-year-old daughter, and Right, Kennedy said right, the same right. thing. Said said the same thing. I like yeah. to have her in bed tonight, and he said, "Excuse me." And these people, they think they're above the law. They think they can fornicate with a baby. And I hate to even put that in anybody's mind, but this is happening. And this yeah. is to me. If I had to, if I had a goal in life right now, would be to get rid of that cancer that's yeah. seen that as a norm. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I remember that story because that story came out after this incident happened, and I remember thinking, because uh, actually, with with my story, it was she was actually nine. That's right. And uh, yeah, it was a cocktail party at uh, one of the houses, and they had a swimming pool. And so some of the guys brought their family to go swimming. That's what it was. And she was walking around in a one piece or whatever. And that's when this guy made some leering remark. I think it was, uh, I bet she's not a virgin. That's what he said. But it was something exactly like that. And that's quite common, Mel. Uh, it's common enough that now I know two stories exactly like that. Um, but, and that brings us to the pedophilia, too. Um, one of the signs that your area has been infected with psychopaths is the amount of pedophilia that goes on. And I think it's because psychopaths enjoy destroying goodness and they love to destroy innocence. And what is more good and innocent than a young child? I don't think it's even the sex with them. I don't. I. I. I, I think it's more the enjoyment of desecrating and destroying an innocent child forever. Because you, you don't. I mean, you live through it, and people work through it, but you never get over childhood sexual abuse. And I've known victims, and I've spoken with them, and my wife used to counsel childhood abuse victims. We used to work together as a team, and um, yeah, you never get over that. That 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 affects your life forever, and they know that. That's why they like it, because they can take an, an innocent child and, and rape them and sexually abuse them and toss them away like a dirty Kleenex, and the child is now um, devastated for life. Their, their soul... Their soul has been tainted now by this event, and they will never feel 100%. And I think that's why they do it. I don't think they do it because they're sexually attracted, or maybe the, the sexual attraction links into it somehow. Um, you know, they both synapse in the hippocampus uh, uh, where pain and pleasure both are very uh, are both processed. That's why you have these deviants where, you know, pain gets them off. Um, you know, the sadomasochistic uh, kind of bondage um, fetish is explainable because the pain and the pleasure centers are very close to each other. And maybe there's something wrong with their bla- brain and therefore the pain center bleeds over to the pleasure center. Um, with psychopaths, it's something like that so that the uh, the sick pleasure of desecrating Innocence bleeds over into the sexual area. I don't know. Uh, nobody knows what goes on in their minds. We can never know this. It's a black box. Of, but that's why you will see it. And and so when you see all these pedophile rings springing up, and well, where where do they all spring up? Washington, New York, L.A., Brussels, London. Of course, all power centers. And where you have power centers, you have lots of psychopaths. Where you have lots of psychopaths, you're going to have. Uh, child prostitution and pedophile rings and panderers and underground uh, human trafficking because that that has to feed the industry of psychopaths. So no, it comes as no surprise. The difficulty I have in in it's not that I not believe it because I know this is happening, but is understanding that even the so-called most respected members of society. Law enforcement, the the judicial, talking about judges, to know that 
some of them are part of this scheme, and this is why this topic doesn't go too far. The media doesn't cover it that much, which means that the highest echelon of society is behind this, and it, it makes you feel, uh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, not incompetent, scared, scared um, alienated, uh, impotent about it, yeah. that this is happening in front of our eyes sometimes. You see these broken children that are that, that are that disappeared. They're taken from orphanages or foster homes, never to be seen again. And some of these elites are using them for blood transfusions because the, it makes them feel younger. And worse yeah. than that, they are torturing them so they can have this this uh, the, the, their hormones and their adrenaline levels go up, and they use that as a drug to even think that a human being. That's not a human being, in my opinion. If that's the case, who are these people? Are they even from this planet? Um, I know. That's why, uh, you know, I've made the video Defense Against a Psychopath. And that's why, you know, I, I, I wrote Defense Against a Psychopath. Is I just read the chapter one from the book, The Art of Urban Survival. And what I tried to do is condense my... 15 years of research into the subject into you know 30 pages that everybody could quickly understand and 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 uh, get the knowledge they need about these people because until you know what a psychopath is all of this stuff is unbelievable like you said mel you don't want to believe it it's so hard for you to believe even though you do know it's true because you you, you you've already researched it and you know uh, what is really going on, but even knowing what you know, it's still hard to believe it. And this is the problem, and this is why psychopaths have gotten away with their evil deeds for so many centuries, is because people can't wrap their minds around it. Um, that this is, and, and they're inhuman, exactly. My wife described it uh, once as they're anti life and anti livelihood. And they are anti-life. And I'll be honest with you, it's tempting to think that they might be, you know, uh, let's take a John Lash analogy, that they're interdimensional, demonic <laughs> creatures, you know, the archons. Archon, or, yeah. Right? Maybe they are, you know, uh, in, in, uh, incarnations of archons. If I were to describe it that way, that would still suit them perfectly. In the video and in my talks, I try to frame it in, uh, you know, modern research and science. And I don't want to go out too far with the unicorns and things like that. So let's let's describe it as a mental illness or a genetic defect. Let's describe it that way. Okay. But they are so – it's so twisted, Mel, that you can't believe that even a human being, whether or not they have brain damage or genetic damage, could be capable of that it's just so disgusting what these people are and what they do uh that it's easier to explain it as archons or they're demonic or they're in interdimensional creatures or something like that that would be easier to explain it but either way most important thing for the listeners out there to know and for you to inform your friends and family because it, the first stage in defending against them is to recognize that they exist. 
And if you don't recognize they, that they exist, then no, you're not going to believe that all these great noble figures in government and sports and entertainment, they're all good people. They would never be raping and murdering and torturing children and draining their blood. No, that would never happen. So, But once you understand that they do exist and they're more likely to be politicians and great entertainers than they are to be garbage collectors or homeless people – um, then you can start to understand it. So the first stage is understanding that these people do exist. Why, how, we may never know the answers to those questions, but what you do have to know is they're out there. They run the show. They run everything. And they have, they, they also employ a strategy that, parasites employ and 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 you know i've been researching this i'm trying to figure out how they fit into nature and originally i thought that they were like a predatory species but they're not really pure predators either they are better described as parasites and what many parasites do is infect the brains and the minds of their host to disable their host from resisting their predation. So, for example, um, m many parasites will, will target the brain of the host. There's a, a, a wasp called the emerald jewel wasp, and it preys on cockroaches. And what it does is it inserts its stinger into the base of the brain of the cockroach, and it inserts a venom. But the venom doesn't kill the cockroach, but turns the cockroach into a zombie. And now the, cock, uh, the, the, the wasp can slowly feed on the cockroach whenever it's hungry. And then what it finally does is it lays its eggs in the cockroach and the larvae burrow their way out of the cockroach. All the while, the cockroach is completely zombified. Now, the psychopaths in our society employ a similar strategy. They use a poison to zombify the host. Now, we are the host. Our civilization is the host for these creatures. And the poison that they use to zombify us is called the media. It's the movies. It's the books. It's the educational system. It's the music. It's the art. They have infected all channels of communication within our society. And they've fed poison into it so that now we have, you know, four or five, six generations that have had to spend 12 years being indoctrinated, basically having poison inserted directly into our minds by an educational system that would make us lethargic and dumb and selfish and careless. And, and like with most of the hosts and most of the parasites, we no longer have a survival instinct. If we had a survival instinct, all those bastards in Washington would be hanging from lampposts tomorrow morning. We don't have that survival instinct. And it's because they use a parasitic strategy of affecting our minds and we are affected through popular culture. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking of this Dementor wasp basically using this neurotoxic cocktail to control the prey. And I'm thinking right now, what do we have in our world that is allowing this, folks, when you look at the narcissist and you look at 
isn't social media, Stefan, creating a new generation of narcissistic psychopath, as you said in, in, in the book and in the video, they need a constant source of narcissistic supply. What is it? Attention, adoration, recognition, awards, and praise. And you mm -hmm. see that with this new generation, they have to be stuck to their smartphones. Nothing smart with them anymore. It's just their smartphones, their tablets, in order to get a like, in order to get a comment. If they don't get that praise, they get depressed. And if they get depressed, they go to the doctor. They're prescribed anti-anxiety, anti-depression medication. Uh -huh. What's uh -huh. going to happen the next 20 years with our society then? Well, it's going to collapse and uh, we'll have a great big die-off. And, um, you know, hopefully... Uh, decent people will survive and uh, rebuild a better civilization but that's the end that's where it's going i mean you can't have these people run a civilization when they're all hooked up to the uh, to the smartphone and we know now they came out you know this as well mel um the designers of uh, the facebook and the snapchat and all these social media programs they designed it knowing Because uh, I studied it, I took psychology in, uh, in 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 college too, and I remember the psychology of addiction, and they programmed that into gaming machines. For example, the one-armed bandit, right? The uh, the slot machines in Vegas, and they found out through numerous studies that in order to get a person addicted to the slot machine, you would have to pay winnings on what is known as a variable ratio, which means you can't can't quite predict when you're going to get something positive back from it, but you get enough positive back from it to make you want to keep playing in the hopes that you'll get more positive back from it. So with the slot machines, they're, they're programmed to pay out a certain amount every so often. And it's programmed right down to the minute to maximize its addictive value so that you will keep putting the quarters in the machine and keep pulling that arm and because it's part of human nature. Now, they did the same technique. They, they applied the same science that they used to program slot machines and gambling games. They applied that to, uh, 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 to uh, uh, social media. So now everybody's addicted to their cell phone. It's scary, Mel. I, you know, I, I, I don't have a cell phone. I haven't ever owned one, and I never will own one. I don't need it. I've gone all these years without a cell phone, and look, I'm still alive. But, you know, I go out, and I go to the park, and I sit there, and I look around me, and I'm looking at the moon and the stars and the trees and the animals, and I'm, I'm greatly entertained by the shenanigans going on by the animal kingdom by, at the park. There's a whole soap opera going on between raccoons and the ducks, and I'm very entertained. And I look around me, and I see two-year-olds, five-year-olds, 12-year-old teenagers, adults, All of them are looking at this thing. And I can tell from, from yards away because you see their faces are lit up with a blue light. It's like a Stephen King novel. To me, it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers because I see all these people with that damn machine stuck in front of their face and their face lit up with this blue light. They are oblivious to anything that's going on around them. Their brains are literally being sucked out of their heads and into that goddamn machine. I, I'm I'm not exaggerating because and and do you think that once those machines turn off, these people will suddenly have the skills 
and the awareness and the self-discipline and the focus to build or run a civilization? Absolutely not. They'll be useless. So, no, the the end is not going to be good. These people won't survive without those damn machines, and they won't survive with the machines because you can't accomplish anything when your face is stuck in front of it. And again, this is part of the poison. They they knew when they were doing this. You know, in, in England, you have to own a TV set, or is that China? I forget. And the government will pay for a TV set. Yeah, guess why? Guess why? Because they want you to be entertained. Because you know the, the government cares about your, you know, your entertainment level. No, because they know this is a poisonous machine that will suck the brains out of you. That's why I don't watch TV either. I I, I avoid all of that. Yeah, when people say that's great that they're giving me this digital. Uh, the, the mechanism. Remember when the TVs changed from from analog to digital? All of a sudden, they were pushing this little machine for people without the financial means to get that. And I was thinking, why is the government pushing this so much? Then Facebook came along, Gmail came along, YouTube, all free. There's no such thing as a free lunch. We all know that. And for over 10 years, I said that these were data mining companies basically they're just extracting this and for anybody to be surprised lately with this Zuckerberg in front of Congress you know saying that they actually were selling this is anybody surprised that this was happening you think that they're going to have a multi-billion dollar company with equipment just doing that for free come on now yeah yeah for a few advertising dollars no exactly <laughs> No, and uh, you know that's why I have never used an avatar or an alias, not since I first got on the internet way back during the dial-up days of 1995. <laughs> I've always yeah. used my real name on all my all my internet surfing, my my accounts, my email, my YouTube channel, everything. I use my real name, and why? Because I didn't want the false confidence of having an anonymous uh, or an avatar because I knew from the very beginning because I I'd researched this stuff. You think the government is not going to be keeping track of everything you do? Of course they did it. They've been doing now probably for 25 years since the earliest days of the Internet. They've got your browsing history. Trust me. So if you think that using a, uh, an alias and, and posting nasty comments on Facebook under, you know, under the handle uh, – Bad for you, 22, you know, they know who you are and they know what you're thinking and it's all been cataloged and it's all been recorded. And when the time comes, and, and this is the subject of a video I, I just completed, I'm, I'm not even sure I want to upload it because I'm afraid I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for it. But in the video, I make that point. It, it, it's going to come a time when the orders come out from socialist headquarters to round up everybody that might have a subversive thought. And now they're going to go through the browsing history. Oh, what did, what, oh, did Mel watch this video back in 2003 that criticized the government? Better pick Mel up. <laughs> you know, don't think. You know, you and I will probably be in adjacent cells. You know that, right? Yeah, we won't make it to the prison. You and I are going to be on the on the red list. We'll we'll, right. we'll disappear somewhere in the lorry between our house and wherever they're taking us. You know, <laughs> and that's in my video. I'm not kidding about that. That's what will happen. You know, and 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 I finished my video with the with the saying that either we stand together, or while they're strapping me down to the table, 
like in 1984, Room 101, the cops will be on their way to your house because you watched my video. And you don't, you <laughs> and I don't even have the chance to be going to the re-education schools because no. they know that people like you and I will not be re-educated or hypnotized or programmed. And this is another part. I see the psychopaths, one of their biggest goals, especially those behind industry, those behind Hollyweird, not Hollywood, Hollyweird, behind the media, behind banking, behind the government. All those mm -hmm. people know that their strategy is to pretend that, sky, uh, that psychopaths do not exist. And anybody who talks about it is just a fool. Sure, and they, and they did the same thing with uh, the term conspiracy theorist. You right, know? JFK, right. Yeah, um, you know, I, I've read a lot of history. Everything is a conspiracy. It's always a group of three or four generals or half a dozen industrialists or 16 senators or going all the way back into Roman times. Everything is a conspiracy. So for them to try and convince people that conspiracy theories don't exist, it's like saying, oh, uh, but water isn't wet. That's just a theory. You know, no, of course, everything is conspiracy. And like you said, that's one of their tricks is, uh, isn't there some sort of Christian phrase that the devil's biggest trick is to get you to believe he doesn't exist? Correct. Um, yeah, that's the psychopath again. You know, like, I mean, you could interchange demon with psychopath, with archon, with interdimensional beings. Uh, they would all be interchangeable and the, and the iconology or icona. I, the uh, the symbolism that's involved in all those theories are interchangeable. Yeah, they 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 convince you they don't exist, and um, and that programming, of course, that programming again, that's part of the parasite strategy. Other parasites actually program the behavior of their host. There's a parasite that infects minnows, and it causes the minnows to swim upside down near the surface of the water so that their silver bellies will attract the, the, the birds of prey that feed on them because that completes the uh, life cycle for the parasite. So they, they infect the, the brains of animals to behave in completely bizarre ways. And the programming is, again, part of the way these psychopaths are trying to infect us so that we cannot defend ourselves against them. A little parenthesis, I remember back in the early 80s, I was a, a video arcade rat. I was always in the arcade to the point, and I usually don't like to talk about myself, but I almost won the, the uh, World Championship for Space Invaders. Now, fast forward to the to the early 2000, mid-2000s. I was exposed to Xbox and all that, and I could not believe how realistic these games were to the point that I can say to all of you right now, with humility, that I became addicted, and that put a lot of strain in my marriage. I had to drop. I had to completely drop those games, war games, sports games, you name them. And I can see how now professionals are labeling this a real addiction. Now, when you have so much realism in games with war games and all that, it makes you wonder if this creates, and I'm not attacking video games, folks. I think they're fun, but they can be like a drug too. You know that. But they can create psychopaths with, you know, people that go with Grand Theft Auto. You go back, you kill the prostitute, and you kill her again, and you get points. Isn't that creating a psychopath, sociopath? 
Sure. Uh, but it's just doing uh, probably a little bit better, but it's doing the same thing that movies have been doing for for decades and decades. I mean, I grew up, I remember, you know, we'd have a sleepover. This was oh, so many years ago. And at that time, Canada only had two TV stations and you had to use the rabbit ears to tune them in. But one of our neighbors actually <laughs> UHF had UHF or VHF? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We didn't even have the UHF yet. It was still just VHF. Sometimes you get real clever and use a metal coat hanger. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) Yeah, You did too. (laughs) Okay. And one of our neighbors had a a tall TV uh, antenna, and he could actually get two more stations. And this was in Toronto, so the other two stations he could get was from Buffalo, New York. So we could watch American TV, which was way better than Canadian TV. And uh, we had a sleepover, and it was Fright Night Friday or something and I think I watched eight horror movies in a row <laughs> from seven o'clock in the, at night to seven o'clock in a movie we, in the morning we sat up all night watching all these horror movies I gotta tell you that imagery when you're you know seven years old you know we watched Psycho we watched The Straight Jacket we watched this, The Screaming Skull you know I mean it was all blood and death and decapitation and dismemberment and stabbing and Holy jeez, my head was filled with so many images of horror, and those images have stayed with me my whole life. And I remember for the longest time, I was terrified to go into the basement of my house, because in the basement, that's where the axe murderers live. (laughs) That's where, you know, the psycho Norman Bates' mother was, her mummy was in the basement, you know, and... um, but that was already getting the programming, right? You're, you're being acclimatized. What what eight-year-old, seven-year-old kid would ever have the opportunity to see that kind of horror, dismemberment, murder, torture? Uh, and already those images were implanted in my brain from an early age. So the other thing with Grand Theft Auto, though, it's much more effective than just watching a bunch of horror movies. And now the horror movies have gone over the top, like those hostile movies. I I really hate those movies. I think yeah. it should be illegal to make those movies. I mean, that's just torture porn. It's the people that would enjoy that movie. I they should re- immediately be put under mental. Uh, examination. Well, you wonder who writes those scripts. scripts. Well, well, yeah, Eli, uh, Eli Roth writes it. Yeah. If I ever met this guy in person, I swear to God, so long as there were no closed circuit cameras around, I would, I would take him out. I would just snap his neck because there, that guy is definitely a psychopath. Anybody that could produce those kinds of movies. I'm telling you, those are biographies. Those movies are about what he does on his spare time. Trust me. So, have you seen the? I don't need to interrupt you, but since you're talking about movies, have you seen the movie Perch? The Perch. Oh God! It's I. I watched the. I think it was the first one. A number of years ago, I watched the bits of it. Uh, I've in, watched in, the three of them, and I just think it's only a matter of time before some gang or some stupid person who's now taking the detergent pot or the <laughs> challenge for the, I don't know what challenge with the ice cold, whatever, to do a challenge like that in real life. Well, that's where it's going, right? And and what you were saying about the uh, the video game, the problem with the video game, it's even more insidious because 
I, you know, I do training. I've, I've trained people in first aid and emergency procedures. So we've done, we used to do those da- disaster simulation uh, exercises once a year, you know, where we'd close down the downtown s- section of the city, uh, well, actually the town, and we would pretend it was like some fire or bomb explosion or something like that. We'd yeah, have drills. casualties, right? So you learn, the best way to learn how to do something is through rehearsal. And that's why the best way to learn how to fight is by fighting. You got to spar a lot. You got to get in the ring, put on the gloves, and if you can do that ten thousand times, you'll be a good fighter. But you know, all the weightlifting and punching a bag in the world is not going to help you in a fight unless you spent those, you know, ten thousand hours sparring somebody. So rehearsal is the key to learning something. Now, when you play Grand Theft Auto, you are rehearsing. And that's the danger of those games. Same thing with music. I remember back in 1982 when we got uh, MTV at home for the first time. We would come out from school, sit down on the sofa, and watch that TV for hours. And my parents at one point said, wait a second, you guys are being hypnotized. There's something going on here. Because you're looking at that TV, and now you could hear the music and watch the video and it seems very innocent, but then all the music changed and now it glamorizes crime. And then crime went up since 1989, 1990. The prison industrial complex became, became publicly traded. And we know now the spike yeah. in all the inmates and the prison population in the United States being the highest in the world per capita. You see where this is going? Yeah. Yeah. That's all by happenstance. It just naturally evolved that way. Of course not. And this has all been uh, part of the plan, you know. Um, mind you, I never got into MTV. I didn't like it that much. But, uh, but of course, all of this is part of the plan. You know, it's part of the, the poisoning and the indoctrination and the mind control. All of that comes into it because, you know, you've done uh, numerous shows on mind control and you've had some great guests on talking about that. And why is this so prevalent in our society, this mind control uh, paradigm? Uh, the government's doing it. The corporations are doing it. The advertisers are doing it. Why is this so prevalent? Well, because it's the parasite psychopath strategy. Again, of course, um, that's one of the things that psychopaths want to do. That's their greatest desire is to control what you think. We have an example nowadays with these new hate crime laws. I mean, is there anything more Orwellian and more dangerous to freedom than a hate crime law? As if somebody can judge you on your internal emotional state while you are doing something and will now convict you on that? How is that even possible? What kind of evidence is needed to to do that? But again, because they want to control what you think. I'll give you another example. Yeah, but you before that- you give me another example, what you just said about the hate crimes, some states, I believe they're passing laws that with all this, again, the LGBTQ, I don't even know what the letters are these days, but if you call somebody a he or a she, and that's not who they want to be, all of a sudden, it's considered a hate crime. Sure. And at any time, Mel, you and I, we've both, you know, you have done a lot more than I have. Um, but um, we both have, you know, hundreds of hours of interviews and you and I speaking. Um, 
it's only a matter of time before somebody runs an algorithm on our past interviews searching for keywords that they can pop up and say, oh, what, what? Mel, back in 2012 said something that could be construed as a hate crime. And here come the police, off you go, <laughs> you know. Make um, the law retroactive now. Sure. Yeah, they're doing that, right? It's like with the Me Too movement. Now women that were, you know, groped at a drunken party 25 years ago are suing guys and getting them fired from their jobs and sending them to prison because suddenly they remembered they felt somebody's hand on their ass. Um, you know, so you're never safe. I, I have a roommate that's terrified. Uh, he, he doesn't answer the phone. I said, why? He says, well, I dated a lot of women 25 years ago. <laughs> They're coming after me. <laughs> that's funny. Well, not funny, oh, but I can but, see how he's paranoid. Yeah. Well, he has every good reason to be paranoid because, uh, two of the women, uh, oh, I don't want to go into it, but, um, so yeah, that's why, uh, that hate crime law, it's, I'll give you an example of how a psychopath th thinks. And that's Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, he, you might remember he was a famous serial killer. And uh, he would, um, well, what Jeffrey did was he would uh, pick up young men and he would drug them. And then he would, oh, for your listeners, you might want to turn off right now for a minute. But he would take a power drill, drill holes in their skull, and pour in acid to dissolve the brain in the attempt to create a mindless sex doll. That, so that's a psychopathic mind for you, okay? It's sick and twisted beyond all comprehension, but it shows one of the underlying goals of all psychopaths. And again, it's the same as the parasites. It's the same as the emerald jewel wasp. That is to get something in your brain, pour some poison into it so that you are now zombified and you are now a mindless, still alive, but a mindless creature that can be easily exploited and enslaved. And that's what the psychopaths are doing. That's what they're doing with all this, with the media and the cell phones and everything else, and the mind control and the hate crime laws. All of that is just intended to make us mindless creatures that they can feed off of. And of course, the division, the divisiveness we see these days, whether you're on the left or the right, we have two political parties, and you see on social media, they're going back and forth. This vampirism, when it comes to just taking energy from people and left and the right, isn't this divide and conquer? Somebody's out there laughing at this division that we have, and they just want collectivism. They just want groupthink, the, the, the hive mind. They don't want people like you and I to think for ourselves. Because as I mentioned today in a, in a post that I did on Facebook, uh, the, the, the individuality versus the social, the collectivist, when you are an individual, you don't belong to the herd. And we all know, and that's from your book, what happens to the herd. It always led to the slaughterhouse. Yeah. That, and, and that brings us, you know, to, to why I, I wrote the last book about, uh, you know, the way of the warrior. It, the warrior is more a masculine, <clears throat> uh, self-reliant, individualist kind of philosophy because only those types of philosophy can resist 
the, the, the poison of our culture and our programming and our education. Only, you know, the individualist that nevertheless can be a team player. We don't have to be so individualistic that we all live in our own little mini castle somewhere in the woods. We need to come together, but we, but fighting the 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 influence of the psychopaths is uh, doing the opposite of what they want. So they want us all dumbed down. So we have to educate ourselves. They want us weak and passive. So we have to go to the gym and train and become aggressive. They want us uh, to be ignorant of what's going on around us. Everything is a conspiracy theory. I don't believe nothing. Um, no, we're going to investigate and be aware of what's going on around us. They want us to go along with the herd, follow the crowd. No, I never follow the crowd. I never have my whole life, Mel. Um, as a rule of thumb, if everybody's doing it, don't do it because everybody, the vast majority of people on the world just aren't that bright. So if everybody thinks it's a good idea, it means all the idiots think this is a good idea. So you can join the idiots and uh, think it's a good idea or you can think for yourself. And probably if you think for yourself, it won't be what everybody else is thinking. And the divisiveness, common tactic among these people. It's so easy. I can't believe they get away with it. It's so easy to do this. I mean, okay, let's say, Mel, I don't like you. I want to screw your life over, okay? And um, so I go to your neighbor or I go to uh, uh, your employees or your employer or your wife. And I go, you know, I saw Mel at... Uh, down in the, in the red light district the other day, picking up a hooker, you know. Now, I tell that lie to everybody that knows you, okay? And I tell it over and over and over and over again, right? How long do you think it's going to take before your neighbors or your wife or your fellow employees start to think, geez, well, I don't know. And then I come out and I say, well, uh, Mel, you know your employees, your neighbors, your your wife, I saw them fooling around, going into a motel room with some guy. Do you know about that? I mean, it's so easy. You just, you know, it's, it's you and him go fight, right? Um, and they get away with it. They divide our society all the time like that. Left, right, anarchist, socialist, anarchist, socialist, uh, libertarian, socialist, libertarian, anarchist. Oh, my God. How many divisions and categories can we all be shuffled into? I'm an anarchist, and by that I mean I'm not taking orders, and I don't expect anybody to follow my orders. That's what I mean by that. But they've divided that very simple concept into so many different factions, and now we got the alt-right fighting against the alt-right and fighting against, oh my God, they got everybody against each other. It's a very common psychopathic tactic, and it's effective. It keeps working. I can't believe it works all the time. Um, but while we're all bickering amongst each other over slight details of, of you know, this, that, and the other. Distraction. It's a distraction, yeah. Meanwhile, these guys are still busy at uh, screwing us all over. Absolutely, and we have to take our one and only break. What we have been discussing, you have written many books, but tonight I wanted to focus on two of them, The Way of the Warrior and The Art of Urban Survival, which is what discusses all these psychopaths. I wanted to first discuss this, and I don't want people to think, oh, Mel, you're just a black cloud discussing all this negative stuff. No, folks. An addict, somebody who's an alcoholic or a drug addict, the first step 
is to admit that you have an addiction. Here, the first step is to admit that psychopaths exist in order for us to be able to Aikido the moment, to be able to defeat them. So I wanted to bring the, 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 these aspects before. But when we come back, I want to discuss the way of the warrior, which is how we can defeat them. How can people buy the books and learn more about your work, Stefan? Um, well, best place to go is my website. It's chinastrategies.com. I, I got that URL back in 1998 when I wrote my first book, and I never changed the URL. So it's it's odd. It has nothing to do with China. <laughs> but uh, China Strategies, and, and all my books are there. And if you buy the books through my website using PayPal, you get a 20% discount because what I do is I take – what you would have paid Amazon, you can, all these books are available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Lulu and all that kind of stuff, Smashwords, Open Book Audio. Um, but if you order through Amazon, they take 20%. If you order through me, I give you a 20% discount. Which is only fair. Folks, a lot more. I'm so glad that you made contact with me, Stefan. Just one of, you're one of those people that I think, why haven't we converted before? because there's a lot of information that we can discuss today and in many future shows. This is Mel Fabregas. You're listening to Veritas. Please come back to our two in the member section. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you.